What's up, everybody? Haven't been on in a while, but I'm back with Legendary Youth Gangs of New York City. I missed one last week. I really didn't know which one I was going to do. I was trying to research the Black Spades. Uh, they've been around a long time, so it was a lot of research. I'm actually going to have a friend help me with, with that one. So this week, actually, what I'm doing is I'm going back to my old neighborhood in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. And I used to live there throughout the 80s and to the early 90s and whatnot. And during that time, there was actually a famous street gang, if you want to call them that. They really were referred to as street gangs. It was Cruz or the Boys or whatever. And they're relatively famous now. They've had documentaries made about them. And some of them are dead. Some of them are died in prison. Some of them are out and doing well. But the infamous Bath Avenue crew. So obviously everybody knows in this neighborhood was plagued with mafia. And Bath Avenue crew and 20th Avenue guys, they always had this reputation of being really, really tough. Really, really tough dudes. Like guys you did not want to mess with. And they all were kind of like farm teams for local uh, gangsters. And there was, there was pizzerias and there was stores and fronts and social clubs all over the neighborhood. And it was all from all different families and so on and so forth. But on Bath Avenue, it was heavily Bonanno territory. So there were five original kids that grew up over there that uh, go down in history as the Bath Avenue crew. And the five original kids were Paul Galino, Jimmy Calandra, Joey Calco, Tommy Reynolds, and Fabrizio De Francisi, if I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I apologize. Later on, there were two more that were inducted, uh, Mikey Yemen and Anthony Gonzalez. And as time went on, their crew got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. But these first original seven, they actually were around when they were very young. Um, actually, the original five. The other two came around a little later. The original five were around when they were very young, growing up on Bath Avenue in Brooklyn, um, doing odd jobs for gangsters. You know, They would tip them $20 here, $10 there, so on and so forth. And they knew that if they would just hang out and kind of be uh, work for them or kind of be around them, that they would make some money. And they were like being bred to be part of the you know, organized crime, the underworld in New York City. And they had this drive and they wanted to be just that. They wanted to be part of the Bonanno crime family. So much so that supposedly they had tattoos put on their leg, one through seven. And uh, number one started with Paul Galino. He seemed to be the leader, if you will, for lack of a better term, of this crew. All the way down to Anthony Gonzalez. And their whole drive was to become made members of the mafia. That's what they wanted to do. And they wanted to prove themselves. And by the time these kids were 13 years old, they were doing, you know, loan sharking and they were doing uh, stashing uh, guns and, and any odd jobs for the gangsters by, by that point. So who were the gangsters? So when I was living there, I, I remember this guy's name. He was very famous. His name was Anthony Spiro and he pretty much ran Bath Avenue. And he was the consigliere of of the Bonanno family. And what made him so famous was uh, his fireworks display on Bath Avenue. He would have these huge fireworks display on 4th of July on Bath Avenue. I mean, don't get me wrong, the whole neighborhood had fireworks, but he put on this like, almost like a Macy's Day Parade kind of deal, you know, Macy's Day Firework kind of deal. And supposedly he made a lot of money 
selling illegal fireworks during you know the in the eighties and the nineties, and there are stories about him having warehouses full of fireworks and and so on. And uh, he did not disappoint every year Fourth of July. I mean, Bath Avenue was lit up Fourth of July. It was it was unbelievable. Then there was another guy that was kind of a soldier for him. And the only reason I'm naming these two guys, Anthony Spear, the other guy is uh, Joseph Bonanti. He was a, a Bonanno family soldier. The only reason I'm naming these two guys is these two guys are the guys that were heavily involved with the Bath Avenue crew. And this, these are the guys they would, they would work for. These are the two guys that those young kids would work for. So let's fast forward into like the, the late 80s, early 90s, right? There was this kid, I don't know why his name is Mikey Hamster, but his name was Mikey Hamster, and he had bragged about killing one of the Bath Avenue boys. So they decided that they have to have retribution, and they wanted to take him out. And I believe it was, yeah, Jimmy Calandra and Joey Calco. They got a gun from Paul Galino. I don't know what kind of gun it was. I don't know the details, okay? This is like basically a very short summary of, of the Bath Avenue crew. But um, I'll give you all the major details, and there are great, great readings and documentaries about that goes into detail about, about these guys. These guys were really, really rough, rough dudes, and some of them were almost um, psychotic when it came to uh, murder and killings and torture. We'll get into that. So apparently Jimmy Cal Joey Calco rather, was driving the car. Jimmy Calandra was in the passenger seat, the shotgun, and they were looking for this guy, Mikey Hamster. They were running, driving all over the neighborhood, and they found him. And Mikey Hamster, I guess, was, you know, somewhat of a tough guy, too. So he noticed that he's following him, and he's in a car in front of them, and they're in, the two of them are in a car in back of them, and he's kind of taunting them, right? And, uh, you know, yelling out the window. And um, uh, Joey Calco from the, from the passenger seat uh, just sprays the whole car. Just sprays the whole car, and then and then uh, this guy Mikey Hamster runs out of the car, and he actually dies on the on the roadside. They they killed him. Story goes, this is legend. I don't know how true it is. If I ever get an interview uh, with, um, I actually reached out to Jimmy Calandra. Maybe I'll get an interview of him. I'll ask him if it's true. Story goes, Joey Calco threw the gun to Jimmy Calandra, and he uh, stuffed the gun down his pants. They made a sharp turn down another street, and the cops pulled him over. So supposedly they were both shitting in their pants. But the cops pulled him over for speeding because they were trying to get away. And as the cop pulled him over, he, they hear on his, uh, you know, walkie-talkie radio, whatnot, you know, shooting on such and such a street. I think it was on Benson. So I think I, I might be 100% wrong, but I, I think it was on 17th and Benson. I might, don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. And it was their shooting. And so the cop's like, all right, so your lucky day. You got to get, get going. I got to, you know, he, he leaves. That's the story. I don't know how true the story is, but that's 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 the story. It is a pretty cool story. If it is true, I mean that is that's a crazy that's a crazy story. Um. So as I said before, some of these guys were really ruthless, and one of the most ruthless guys out of the bunch was Fabrizio Di Francesi. I think he was. I think that's how you uh, say his name. I apologize if I don't. Well, but his court papers actually revealed. This is how ruthless he was. This is how dangerous he was. That he would stab, beat, shoot, and torture victims with a blowtorch um, for the mafia. And he was at, he's actually the only one out of the entire crew that became an actual made member of the Bonanno crime family. The rest of them either had died or went to prison or got out of the life or so on and so forth. So let's fast forward into the early 90s. And these guys are really, now they're young men. They're probably in late teens, early 20s. 
and they're trying to prove themselves. And uh, Anthony Spiro, the consigliere of the Bonanno crime family, goes to Paul Galino. Well, his AK name, his name is Paulie Brass. This is what I want to refer to as the Vincent Bickelman story. So Vincent Bickelman was apparently this guy from the neighborhood who was a bit of a troublemaker. I don't, again, I'm going to say drug addict and nuisance. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't know him. This is just from the research. Even though I'm from the neighborhood, this is just the research that I read recently. So apparently, Vincent Bickelman actually broke into Anthony Spiro's daughter's house. He probably didn't even know. Or if he did, he was dumb as shit. And stole some jewelry and clothing and whatever. And even to make it even dumber, he actually tried selling the jewelry on Bath Avenue. Uh, you know, so this guy was not very bright. So apparently Spiro finds out that he's trying to sell the stuff on Bath Avenue. And he has several guys beat the hell out of him. They just beat him in the middle of the street. They beat him down. Right after they beat him down, Spiro goes to Paul Galino because he knows that uh, you know, he's trying to make his bones and get in good. And at this point, Paul Galino was like on track. He looked like he was going to be a made member of the mafia. Goes to him and says, you know, uh, I, want, I want this guy, you know, taken, taken out. You know, they want to kill him. So Galino happily accepts. You know, this is, this is like a big deal. Like the concierge says to you directly, do this for me. And when the book's open, you know, maybe we could, you know, present you and make you a made member. So apparently this guy found him behind, a block away from a precinct or something like that, or around the block from a precinct and just, you know, just, you know, blasted him several times. I don't know what kind of gun, but made sure he was dead. Put it that way. So these guys were making a, a serious reputation for themselves. Um, there are records of the type of crimes these guys commit and i'll read off a list because it's pretty impressive actually so bank robbery that seems to be very common with these guys uh home invasions chop shops back then chop shops were really common you would take a car you gotta remember there was no technology back then in the late 80s early 90s it's not like you had easy pass or a navigation system or satellite anything you know these cars were basically you would steal a car bring them back to a chop shop and in minutes they would have the cars and pieces and they would sell the parts on the street and make you know make plenty of money extortion hijacking burglary auto theft prostitution human trafficking weapons trafficking drug trafficking kidnapping jury intimidation assault arson bombing contract killing torture assassination murder and loan sharking wow loan sharking is like Last on the list, it's like the, the least of their worries, right? Unbelievable. So let's fast forward because this is the story that actually made them relatively famous because this was a major blunder. Uh, I'm going to refer to this as the Judy Shemtov incident. So there was this guy, Chris Pacciello, and he gets tipped off. I guess he was part of the Bath Avenue boys. He gets tipped off. Uh, there was his house in Staten Island. There's an old man there. Lives by himself, apparently, according to the information he got and the information that I read. And he has a safe, and he has either a half a million or a million dollars in the safe. Whatever. Something to that effect. So, him, Jimmy Calandra, and Tommy Reynolds decide that they are going to go to this house in Staten Island. And they are going to, you know, invade, tie the guy up, take his money, and be out. Well, during this time, you know, drugs were prevalent. 
everywhere. Uh, the rumor has it that Tommy Reynolds was really smoking crack. I don't know how true that is. Again, this is just research. I'm going on research and YouTube videos that I've watched. Again, I've never interviewed these guys. I didn't, I didn't know them. I was way too young to know them, so on and so forth, when, when they were you know, on the street. Anyway, they go to this house. They knock on the door. I don't know what their plan was. I have no idea. They knock on the door, and instead of an old man answering... This woman answers Judy Shemtov. I don't know if they had the wrong house. I don't know if they got the wrong information. I don't know. But since this woman answered and she was oh, she was 46 years old, she was a wife and a mom, Tommy Reynolds impulsively pulls his gun, shoots her in the face. I Apparently he was very high and scared and he was not expecting this woman and it was really a terrible blunder and a shame and so on and so forth. They run out of there, they throw him, they get in the car, and they take off. Well, Spiro hears about this, and he's, like, really coming down on them. Like, you guys got to be more careful. This is ridiculous. You can't let this happen. You know, we're not supposed to be killing innocent people. It's so on, so blah, blah, blah. At the same time that this is happening, this one story leads into another, actually, which is pretty interesting. At the same time that this is happening, the Bath Avenue boys and the 20th Avenue boys are, are kind of, like, in what I guess you could call a war, right? I guess you can call it a war. There were shootings and beatings. You know, when I lived there, 20th Avenue, and I lived like a block away from 20th Avenue, they always had the reputation of being tough. Always, 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 always. I didn't live, I mean, I was a block away from 20th Avenue. So those guys were always uh, talked about in and around those circles, right, right by me. And But Bath Avenue had a reputation of being really, really tough too. Um, I actually had a family member that got into a problem with uh, 20th Avenue and... Uh, I won't mention names, but he was actually stabbed. But okay, anyway. So apparently there was this war going on between the two crews. And they were young guys, like I said, late teens, early 20s. And um, Spiro had enough because between this woman's murder and then this war, uh, Spiro wanted to put it to bed. He wanted to, you know, the feds were coming down hard. And he wanted to put it to bed. So he approaches Paul Galino because he knows he's basically you know, the leader of, of that crew. And he's like, look, man, you, you, we can't do this anymore. We got to kill it. We got to kill this whole beef. Feds are coming down. It's bringing too much heat, blah, 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 blah. And Galino, apparently, he was a very, you know, I'm going to kill you kind of guy. He did not take that very well. He really wanted redemption. He wanted revenge. He, did, he wanted to kill all these guys. He, apparently, he was a wild, wild guy. They got into some words, him and Spiro, and Galino shoves him now those of you that don't know much about the mafia not that i know a lot about the mafia but those of you that don't, don't um uh let's see anyone believe what this guy is saying okay um anyone believe what this guy's saying i don't know you could look it up man if you don't believe me you could look it up yourself um so apparently he shoves spiro who's a consigliere of the banano crime family and um if anybody knows anything, uh, any, if you've read anything, you can't put your hands on a made man, let alone a consigliere. I mean, that's like, you know, you got your made man, you have your bosses, your captains, couple regimes, whatever you're going to call it. You're on the boss, your consigliere and the, and the boss, right? So Spiro just turns around and walks away. And Galino knows that he really messed up. He was really, so apparently for a little bit of time, he was very, very paranoid. Wouldn't leave his apartment, wouldn't talk to anybody, wouldn't let anybody in. So Spiro approaches 
Calco and Tommy Reynolds because they know that they were very close and that he would be able to get to him with those guys. During this time, Calandra is in prison for bank robbery. So Calco and Reynolds go over there. They, you know, he lets them in because, you know, he trust, they've known each other since childhood. He trusts them. And the story goes that he asked them to get something to drink. Galino turns around to get a, get them something to drink. I don't know what. And uh, Calco and Reynolds just, I think they shot him in the back and in the back of the head nine times and made sure he was dead. Um, it was kind of sad because that is your friends. And from what I understand, Calandra, again, I don't know him. I never spoke to him. I would love to interview him. We'll see. That was that was when Calandra realized there's no loyalty on the street. Like there's, These are kids we grew up with and there's no loyalty. It's a very, very difficult and dangerous life. That seems to be the peak, the pinnacle of the Bath Avenue boys. Um, this is These were the three big events. The Bickelman, Shemtoff, and the Galeno murder. These are the three big events that, that put them on the map, if you will, of legendary youth street gangs in New York City. So like I said before, Fabrizio gets made. He actually dies in prison. He gets life in prison in 2001 and... Um, Oh no, I don't oh no, I don't know if he's dead actually. Don't don't quote me on that. He gets life in prison in 2001. He might still be alive and just be in prison. Uh Calco gets 13 years for assault and possession of a weapon. The story goes that he was either working or opened a pizzeria. He had an argument with a customer and he beat him with a pistol whipped him. That's the story. Got arrested for it did 13 years. Tommy Reynolds gets life for the murder of Judy Shimtoff. Jimmy Calandra does 6 years for a bank robbery. Turns state's evidence against uh, Spiro. Mikey Emin uh, turns informant on Pacello, Calandra, and Reynolds. But I guess Calandra kind of uh, got away because he gave them Anthony Spiro. Anthony Spiro dies in prison in 2008. He was 78 years old. Joseph Bonanti also dies in prison. Uh, from what I understand, Jimmy Calandra is now doing much better. I know that he runs a YouTube channel called The Bath Avenue Story. Um, I've seen some of his stories. I've seen some of his YouTube channels. They're pretty good. Um, they're pretty interesting. I know he had Rita Gigante on because I had Rita on. And um, he had Rita Gigante on who was the daughter of, of the, uh, the former head of the, the Genovese crime family who was Vinny the Chin, Vinny Gigante. So I've seen some of his stuff. Uh, it's actually really good. You should go over and take, it, take a look. It's called uh, Bath Avenue Story on YouTube. Great podcast YouTube channel. And uh, that's going to do it. So basically, you know, unfortunately, that is the ending of most of these guys. They either wind up dead or in jail. I mean, I know this life isn't like it used to be. There's really not much of a, uh Italian mafia left. Whatever's left is very small. And um, I mean, they're still out there. They did, they did arrests like uh, not too long ago, last month or whatnot. But, um, you know, there are no really Italian neighborhoods or breeding grounds for them. So what they do is very small and very under the, uh, under the radar and, and uh, flying very low as to not getting any uh, sites of feds and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, this is the dramatic ending of these guys who want to be gangsters. You know, when you're young and you grow up around that, you know, you want to you wanna be that. You know, these guys have power. They have money. They run the neighborhood. They have all the girls. People are afraid of them. You idolize them growing up. You know that's that's what happened. I, you know I'd be lying to say if I did, right? I remember watching the movie Goodfellas, and uh, you know 
and, and want it to be like that. But, you know, uh, what I had going for me was family. And my father and my brothers made sure to keep me away and say, no, you're going to go to school or you're going to go to work or, and you're going to be responsible. Not that I was a wild kid anyway, but they just never let me even try to get into those into that world. You know, I come from a blue collar background. It was regular, just regular guys, work, hardworking men, family men. Well, that'll do it. I hope you enjoyed the story about the Bath Avenue boys or the Bath Avenue crew. Very interesting. I'm going to be reaching out to uh, Jimmy Colangelo. Hopefully I could get an interview with him. And then I'll be back next week with a, another live feed, Legendary Youth Gangs of New York City. All right, guys. Thank you, and have a good night. And remember, like and subscribe, because more stuff is coming.